episode 63 of the Metro Fan TV rundown coming to you live off the backs of a 1 nil way on 1 1 nil win. 1 nil. <laughs> <laughs> it's been so long, Lens. <laughs> yeah, it's been a while, right? It's literally been, I think, five years since we, la- since we uh, last won up in New England. After I a can't believe cons- it. It's after a certain Gonzalo Verón bagged a, bagged the bagged the stoppage time winner in a three two win in the midweek in a completely throwaway game and a completely throwaway season in two thousand seventeen. So that was kind of fun to bag one in Gillette. So here to tell us all about it is Juan Escalante, who I believe was actually at the stadium um, this weekend. So how was your um, week week weekend? The weekend, um, the like game, the match, seven, seven the match hours day. in Foxborough. Yeah, how was that? Oh my god, dude! It. <laughs> I did not realize. So, like, I'd never actually been in New England before. I didn't realize how how wide Connecticut was. It was like, it was like, so like I'm from Florida, and like if you just drive north in Florida for like five hours, you're still stuck in Florida, and that's what it felt like driving across New England. Like it's such a wide state. It's uh, like the, the the route cuts through like the most nothing parts of like both states as well and yeah it's uh... <laughs> it's very strange and then like the amount of time you're in rhode island is comical like welcome to rhode island you are now re- leaving rhode island <laughs> yeah uh... uh but yeah it's it fun day out i mean obviously winning is is the ideal scenario i you know i didn't care where they want to they're to watch, watch the soccer uh, you were right about the vibes very bizarre vibes at yeah, Gillette no, stadium it, it sucks <laughs> it uh it flat out sucks eat, it sucks i did not the staff were fine um they enjoyed they they got a good laugh out of us chanting jersey boys were on a bender robert Kraft is a sex offender um so so shout out to them uh our friend peaches chang from 202 had chowder which i guess is what you do when you're out there that's a good scran choice uh i guess if you can call soup scran uh but yeah, pretty much it, it was, it was, it, it felt like a, like we knew, we knew that New England was going to be tough. I know they weren't going to be that great. They haven't been on a great run of form. Um, They did not have Gustavo Bo. They did not start with Adam Buxa. We had Josie and then some homegrown bin man that they started up top with him. <laughs> um, But then after the red card, the whole mood just changed. Like, all right, guys, let's just get out of here with a point. I think we can do this. Just keep your heads on straight. Get and then, and then when the own goal went in, we're just like stunned silence. But then also like, oh, we might just shit house three points here. I think it's a good. It's a it's a makeup game in that sense, right? I think uh, when we talk about losing to Minnesota at home on on a smashing grab, like this was very much like the inverse of that right i mean exactly or even like the games we had at foxborough last year where it was like we played really well but like we can see three goals but we were still in a game when again we were also down a man um <laughs> yeah exactly and and i think like i mean like uh, you know it's uh whatchamacallit i mean in a vacuum the results like you know you know that moment in like a like a shonen arc right where they've overcome the adversary for the first time yeah and it signifies some kind of growth in the team or in the person exactly Uh, not in an overwhelming way but definitely in a way that you just take your opportunities when you can and the opponent was not expecting it yeah exactly and i mean i I know that this isn't quite last year's revs as you mentioned at the top of the episode right but i mean i think uh 
finally getting one over Bruce Arena and uh, this Revolution team. I mean, I think uh, having fought so valiantly in all of our games last year against the best team in MLS, right? I think, as you say, mm-hmm. finally getting a win over them. I mean, that has to feel pretty good. Let alone, like, the first win in your stadium in, like, half a decade now. Yes. A game, by the way, where I fell into the front row celebrating in Gonzalo Verón's goal. So that was pretty fun. Wow. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, that's a story for another time. Um, yeah, I mean, I do not miss Gillette Stadium. I do not miss the shitty sight, sight lines from the away section. I do not miss uh, the shitty <laughs> vibes surrounding the stadium, where it's just a big yeah, giant bowl surrounded by absolute nothing. Um, absolute nothing, and then there's a there's a there's an Olive Garden. Yeah, you don't even get a fun bus trip out of it. Don't right? even because a fun like, bus trip out of it. We 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 stopped at a at a rest stop at like one in the morning to I think because the, the driver wanted to fill the bus up, and we just looked out the window. Or no, we stopped at one gas station, and he we I think he couldn't fill up there, and so we went to another one. And so it was like, you know, one thirty in the morning. We just look out the window and we see there's a Popeye sign, <laughs> and then someone on the bus says, "Oh, we have a few minutes." And then we all get it, like it's just like the the usual suspect, Popeyes. yeah, just like get up and like tactical. And then we walk into the rest stop, and the the Popeyes was closed. Um, <laughs> Which, to be fair, I think a 24-hour Popeyes would be too powerful for this world, so. Yeah, and anyway, I think, like, if you're buying from a 24-hour Popeyes in the middle of fucking nowhere, like, Massachusetts, like, that's going to be some of the worst chicken you could possibly eat at, like, 1 o'clock in the morning. 1 o'clock in the morning. I'm not going to lie in, to like, by New Haven, Connecticut. Yeah, you're probably right, so. Buy Crown Fried, at least, you know. Real heads know, you know. Like... Real heads know. <laughs> yeah, but. I think let's uh, focus our attention a little bit more on the game because, I mean, I think uh, people aren't going to exactly want, like, five minutes of me calling this, like, the worst away trip on a calendar. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Talking about the 90 minutes of soccer. Yeah. So if if I can – this was kind of similar to the game against Columbus where it felt like neither team generated that many clear-cut chances. I think both teams – I think I think both teams were pretty much even split across like chances created or maybe not chances created but rather um uh shots on target. So like the t- both uh New England had 7 shots, we had 8 shots, but both of us had only 5, well, not only. Most of our shots were on target, 5 apiece. Um yeah. and it, at, at, at you know at that point it just comes down to fine margins and both go- goalkeeper performances uh Carlos Cornell, what was it? 5 shots on 5 shots uh Five saves on five shots. Brad Knighton also five shot five saves on five shots. Unless I don't know how, where an own goal factors into that, but that's not a shot. Yeah, uh, as a, yeah, um, and I think um, this kind of this stood out in the highlights, right? It was always nice to see a good goalkeeping deal. Always yes. like to see goalkeepers shine, and I think um, I think uh, of course I think uh, you're gonna have a few plaudits come your way because of you basically didn't smash and grab but of course i mean a few really good saves kept us in it to in a position where we could actually go and steal one right and i think yes. uh, that was that one i think it was off a header right that was yes, basically from like sebastian one of those, legit yeah that that close range reaction save i mean i think that's sort of like uh become his trademark in a over the last couple of years uh, those yes. kinds of reaction saves which i think are really kind of his uh his best attributes so you know 
I think those are well-deserved. Uh, acc- he he definitely well-deserved accolades, right? I think uh, for Carlos Coronel, because I think he bagged man of the match, but also was named an MLS team of the week. I want to say, if those things matter, uh, <laughs> they they kind of don't. But uh, we we we, we got to fluff the CV whenever we can, right, kids? You know, when our players make team of the week, great for them. Good lads playing playing the game the right way. When they don't, who who cares? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> It's like uh, it's like if uh, anybody of ours like won like uh, the Audi, Audi player index like player of the month thing, I'd be like a hundred percent down for that. Like he's yes. got a score of sixty nine, sixty nine in the Audi player index. He's the greatest <laughs> player of all time. Um, I think it's like you mentioned, right? I think it's uh, even though it's a more diminished New England Revolution this year. I mean, uh, ever since um, they lost Matt Turner to frostbite. I presume, <laughs> and uh, Tejan Buchanan moved to where Belgium, I think it was. He went one to of, Belgium, yeah. Yeah, one of those gross fake countries in Europe. Um, like, um, so obviously they're missing a few pieces, right? But of course, um, there's enough holdover from last year's year's uh, team that this is still um, someone that you, this is still a team that you obviously have to take um, somewhat seriously, right? Yeah. <laughs> Even in their diminished state. And, you know, I mean, I think it's also a team that, uh, the type of team that we can sometimes struggle against, right? Because I think a calling card of Bruce Arena teams are like uh, the compact 4-4-2 that they like to play when they're not in possession on the ball, right? And yes. these are the types of teams that we sometimes struggle breaking down. And for the most part, we did. And I mean, I kind of acknowledge the fact that we bagged three points in what was kind of a fluky own goal. But, you know, on the flip side of things... Um, we also kind of uh, dealt with every, mostly everything that they threw our way yeah. as well. I think it was a good game for the defense as a whole, right? I mean, I think um, Josie, was, Josie was trying to do his usual off-the-ball um, off trickery, right? Yes. By pulling our defenders wherever, which way with his uh, runs. But, you know, we, we, we dealt, it, dealt with yeah. it rather well. Um, I think the backline communication was very good and very organized, and for the most part, kept them off the board until we went a man down. <laughs> but I mean, like that's that that's kind of what happens when you lose a man advantage, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, so I thought, yeah, I mean, a uh, good, 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 good calling, good call for the for the uh, defense. I think some other things that happened throughout the game was a yet another phantom handball. <laughs> that will definitely spark a lot of debate. And of course, Tommy I think, it, yeah, and I think a lot of nonsense, right, about the whether or not that was a second, that was a second yellow. Uh, it seemed kind of soft to me. I'm not gonna lie. I think you probably yeah. thought that was. I think people knew that that was gonna come, but uh, that that didn't seem like a second yellow to me. Uh, right. Yeah. The appeal. Yeah. Even on like all the replays, you're you think do. Obviously, Frankie Amaya after... I, first off, shout out to Frankie Amaya for like getting sent off, going to the locker room, and then immediately getting on his phone and tweeting, hashtag ball don't lie or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Appreciate that. And I don't know. I Did he get... He probably got the ball. I don't think... I think the, it's it's more or less of like de-incentivizing going in on guys like that. Um, yeah. Slide I mean- tackle that way, but... Yeah, it's well, weird. also shout out to Aaron Long. Apparently, after he got 
the after he sent him off, he he actually told the ref like, "Hey, actually make it a red card so that VAR can review it." Yeah, no, no, that's his thing for me. You know, I mean, like th- th- this isn't any different from any kind of tackle from a slightly behind mm-hmm. the ball situation, but still pokes the ball away at the end of the day. I mean, like, yeah, the guy goes down, but look, I mean, it's a fair challenge. You're not gonna like. This is where I'm going to become, like, uh, you know, uh, the, the guys in the stands in, like, Italy with, like, the the news, the page the newspaper boy hat and the scarf and the gray <laughs> tan coat. It was like, you know, you'd never send Maldini off for this. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, like, you, you wouldn't send people, like, 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 I, like, you wouldn't send people off for this, surely. I mean, I don't know, this, this ref had a, we, I'm allowed to complain about the refs this time because we won. Okay, and this ref had yes. an absolute shocker. Okay, it's not sour grapes. Bizarre. Game. It felt like it felt like he was just like really itching to 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 deal out a red at some point, and then he 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 issues two. Not only just two red cards in the second half, but then he gives two yellows to the coaches. Yeah. One that I don't know what happened that that Struber did. I don't even... I, like I assumed that he, he. Okay, they said that he left his technical area. I don't know if he like joined the celebrations like I don't, like Jose Mourinho or Jesse Marshwood. Uh, so in my head canon, I he went up to Bruce and did the, the like the gener- the degeneration X like X hands crotch sign at Bruce Arena. Well, better that than Fortnite dances at this point. <laughs> exactly. But then we I then but then we saw what what Bruce Arena Bruce Arena was just jawing at the. I I caught the moment too. They got a close up of him, and as the ref was giving him uh, the yellow, Bruce was just like, yeah. You fucking suck tonight. <laughs> he's right. <laughs> uh, he, he's completely valid. I, I I agree with his standpoint, proving that I guess uh, Bruce uh, hits more often than not. Uh, let's not Comfy talk about. Bruce. Let's not talk about 2017. Don't want to attract no. people. Um, I think uh, other things. I think uh, kind of standing out a little bit more. Right. I think. Um, um, I like the cameo that we got from Lucinius in this uh, mm-hmm. in this game, right? I think a very impactful. I think uh, was it like what ten or 15, like fifteen twenty minutes that he ended up. Getting no, there? he came in early. He came in in the fifty fifth minute. Right? Yeah, yeah, slightly earlier than like, that. Yeah, yeah. So like Struber made two subs. Made two actually. Well, no, he used two substitution windows, right? One was oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. one was in the fifty fifth minute, um, bringing on Bar or CCJ for Barlow and Lucinius on for Omir. And then the second one was in the 78th minute, so pretty much like three minutes after the red card uh, for Fletcher. And... That's right, that's right, yeah. Yeah, so I, so like Lucinius actually got, saw a lot of this game. Yeah, and, and I think what I wanted to draw attention to particularly was his uh, role in the build-up to uh, getting Fletcher the ball, right? I think in the build-up to the own goal. So good. And, uh, you know, I think uh, this is this is the kind of, this is the good shit right here. I mean, like, oh, yeah. first, getting like... The, first getting the interception at the pressing motion, intercepting the yes. ball, and then just immediately... Like, the quick that. turn... The quick turn and the release in the pass. The release the right in his path. So like, good. That was pitch perfect. Exactly. You, you and then there were, he also had a lot of like really interesting moments too. Like so there was a shot, I think, in like soon after he came in that like I think it it it, it ended up being like a shot that fell to CCJ and he he shot, but like just the quickness of which he gets the ball forward and try to get at, like running at defenders um there were a lot of moments where he he had his back towards goal and he and he played like really smart passes um like a like i think someone had posted like the uh like his high like the reel of his touches and he had one really nice 
Like he was pretty much on the ground at, at a certain point. I think yeah. Cornell sends the ball forward. Klimala actually kills it really well with the first touch. Like the ball kind of bounces around. It falls to Lukinia's feet. He's practically falling. He's on the ground already. He still manages to scoop it into 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 Klimala's feet. Uh, I don't think it led to a shot, but I think he ended up shooting later. But that was a really smart. And then another he had like play like a really nice one too with Drew. And it's like, man. You need a guy who can do that. Yeah, I mean, it's great that he thinks so quickly. If you ask me, I mean, yeah, like, uh, you know, I think, I think it's, you know, it, it, it's at the professional level, it's like these things that are the things that make a difference, right, between like a good player and a right. great player, and it's the great players are the guys who are able to like get it under control in like one touch, play it with yeah. the second, and then move, right. The speed yeah. at which they do that, you know, and I think exactly even now today in MLS, you still have like quite a lot of guys. Or on the technical level, where they need us to take like two or three extra touches, basically to do yeah, like God, anything. A bit, yeah. I'm talking about you, Darlington Nagby. But anyway, um, you know, it was another one too. It was after we had scored. It was like towards the end of the, it. Was it? It was the action that led to um, to the shot that Fletcher puts wide. Yeah. Like we win the ball back. Lukina takes a great first touch on the run. Spots CCJ making that run. Plays that nice, like nice, like slide rule defense splitting pass out. Yeah. Um, which he did, I think, on his like his first game to like uh, Tolkien uh, overlapping on the left hand side. But I'm like, yes, yes. I I I am excited to see what 90 minutes of that looks like because I yes. think uh, it's going to be um, pretty pretty lethal. I hope. I I I mean, in in my head, it think I I think it'd be. He, he he stands to contribute on both sides of the ball, basically, because I think. Oh uh, yeah, man! Just way... like a guy who, like, every time he gets on the ball, like, oh, something's gonna happen. Yeah, exactly. Like like that killer instinct, right? Just because of his ability to think so quickly and see things yeah. so quickly, and having the technical chops to execute him. You know, we 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 appreciate players like that. I don't know about you, even though his squad number is still gross. I'm gonna be cranky about this, but yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he seems like a very good player i kind of hope i i I am excited to see uh his first full start whenever that happens might be this weekend but we'll we'll get to that a bit later um i think um and i think let's i think uh i'll I'll round out discussion of the game itself uh, with this question that we had right i think uh, this was a pretty um interesting question i suppose from uh Alexander Sinopoulos, I think, for this game particularly. For this first time this season and imposing 10, Carlos Gill was able to impact the game. Gill was able to unbalance us with his tempo and different looks, but a more pure six have helped in neutralizing him. And I find this... Mm, I guess this is the interesting thing for me. Right? I think um, when we were playing teams previously right this season i think uh the the other quote-unquote uh central attacking midfielders in the this scheme right and in, in other teams schemes had been mostly muzzled right as a result of the work in midfield from drew yearwood and prakimai right but i think um i think the difference here, right, is that I don't necessarily think it's a case where you need to bring in like a pure six necessarily, right? Right. I think um, our our system doesn't really quite 
work like that, I feel, when it comes to defensive assignments particularly. Um, it's more about um, maintaining a compact shape, right? And I yeah. think this is what we know about this New England team is that they have attackers who are very crafty, right? They're yeah. very good at off the, they're very good at off the ball manipulation, basically, right? Like I think yeah. uh, even though Bo wasn't playing in this game, uh, Josie, we all know this is basically his calling card, right? Like <laughs> he knows how to pull, pull people out of position. And he exactly. knows how to open up space for other people. And Carlos yes. Gill is the kind of central attacking midfielder who is very good at sensing the space in turn, right? And I think uh, basically when it comes to um, when it comes to the defensive side of the ball for our team, right, it's going to be more about how well we maintain discipline in not in denying and not being pulled out of position so much, right? Maintaining mm -hmm. that compact space in front of goal when we reset uh without the ball right and i think um in this particular instance um it's one of those things where you're gonna run into these kinds of opponents sometimes right who are just so experienced and just so good at what they do that they're gonna break through it anyway i mean like this is the reigning mls mvp for a reason yeah he is he's right? so good very crafty player, and he's and he's gonna always gonna find a way to get in the ball no matter what you do. Yeah, but I think the the key here is is that we mostly that even though Gill was disrupting our back line and finding opening up in space, it didn't necessarily translate in danger more often than not, right? And I right. think this is where the defense really held up their end of the bargain this game, right? Is that yes, Gill was getting on the ball, he was active, he was uh, generally making himself a threat, but his outlets were mostly cut off, right? So even though he got into ball quite a lot, it didn't really result in too many big chances for New England until, like we said, right, we lost a 10. We, we, we lost it. We, we went a man down. Yeah, pretty much. And it's like I the think, idea of, like, how do you shut down a number 10? It's like, well, you could have a guy hassling him and not giving him time in the ball, or you shut down number 10 by essentially cutting off his passing lanes. And I think that our defense staying pretty compact kind of kept him from doing that too much or at yeah. least playing through us all the time because at the very least staying compact enough to not let new england play one twos through our defense kind of just force them to, to shuffle the ball out wide um to play sort of low more like more create more low percentage chances to say yeah exactly and i think also yeah, already give the ball to tommy mcnamara <laughs> yeah yeah, exactly, right? Like, I think, like, this is the key thing here, right? Is that we maintain, we maintain that defensive shape. We deny that space inside the box for the strikers to move into. That usually means that the attacker will have to sh recycle possession yeah. or try a lower or try a lower percentage chance, like, to just kind of pump the ball to the box and hope something happens from it, right? So um, I think our philosophy on the defensive side of things especially is on that space denial, right? It's always been about zonal defense and denying the ability to even as attackers get free is to deny them key areas of the pitch where they can work in right and i think yeah. you see a lot of modern defenses working like this right i think um the poster child of this is obviously going to be sean dykes burley burnley <laughs> <laughs> and on this podcast uh we on 
unequivocally, unabashedly stand Sean Dykes Burnley. <laughs> we love Sean Dyche. We love his center back, Ben Mee, because he also sounds like that delicious Vietnamese sandwich. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that's kind of what it's all about, right? I mean, like, um, yes, some players are going to get on the ball more often than not, but, but to cut a long story short, so long as we're denying the opposition the critical space in front of goal, right? where most of the high percentage chances come from. Like, I think we are mostly doing a good job in the defensive end. So I don't know if a pure six would necessarily fix everything. But um, what I can say is is that I think, uh, like, we're building off of last year's work really well, right? Where we are the best defensive team in MLS. We have a very well-drilled and a very well um, very well-drilled defensive core, right? So uh, that that are very good at denying space in high percentage chance areas. So I think so long as we stick to that scheme, you know, I think uh, we're in a good shape, basically. Um, my my deal with the midfield initially was kind of more about, like, who is going to be there to, like, um, harangue in the press, right? But I think Drew Yearwood's really come a long way in that. Right, I think he he's like ninety minute fit now nowadays, right? And I mm-hmm. think, uh, of course, like he's kind of taken over as like that midfield dynamo this year, right? With Amaya playing off of him as like a you know the safety valve slash a transition starter. But you know, I think um, we cannot be denied as that. I think as the season's gone along, I think uh, the the midfield of pairing of Amaya and Yearwood has been like the first quarter MVP for me so far. I think. Um, a lot of my fears about the midfield have kind of been assuaged by their emergence. Mm-hmm. Um, the respective gains that both of them have made uh, that I think, um, like I said, right, if we do end up making a defensive reinforcement, I'd probably prefer a center back at this point rather than a central defensive midfielder because I think um, we have a midfield pairing for now, I think. Yeah. They both complement each other really well. I mean, Yearwood covers a ton of ground, is very aggressive in the press. I mean, even though he still kind of fouls a lot, but, you know, I mean, uh, every player has their flaw. I mean, I think he executes his role pretty well. And Amaya has been quicker in the transition than Sean Davis has been, in my opinion. I think, uh, the only question then is, is, is what happens when one of them can't play the game, which we will we'll we're coming up to on find tomorrow. out this weekend, yeah. <laughs> On so, the next episode of Dragon Ball Z. We'll, we'll, we'll get to that a bit later, I think. But yeah, that's <laughs> sort of where I stand on uh, our midfield and defensive conundrum. So I think, uh, I don't know, do you have anything else you'd want to add to that? Or should we just move on to the stocks for now? Um, no, I think you got it. I don't know if there's anything particular on the game. I don't know. Um, I think we can move on. All right. Cool. Do we want to talk about how how about Ashley Fletcher? Uh yeah okay yeah yeah uh, you, you you can uh you can you can you can give us a lowdown. Oh, I mean, the, literally the first thing they said on the broadcast is that like he's redeemed himself, and I'm like, all right, come on, guys. <laughs> okay, that seems a bit histrionic. <laughs> the the biggest thing that comes out of Ashley Fletcher in this game is that in the post match he said that he's six five. I'm like, finally, the truth has been revealed. Is we're getting our very own Furch fills yes. me with so much joy. Massive lad. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
He's also 90 minute ready for this weekend, from what I hear. So uh, maybe we Very can put Mala and Fletcher um, as the starting strike partnership. <clears throat> Imagine that two strikers wearing nine, nine and eleven, uh, <laughs> starting the game uh, for us. Uh, that's going to be. We're reaching squad number orthodoxy very, very yes. slowly. I do like that a lot. So, um, big fan. Please, please, please keep it up. <laughs> um, stocks. Let's talk about stocks. Uh, let's let's. Uh, let, let, but not but not like the stocks that you buy in the market because that's lame. not stonks. We're talking about. <laughs> yeah, that's for perverts. <laughs> that's for um, stocks. Let's talk about stocks. I'm going to give a stock up to Coronel, obviously, because this is a goalkeeper's first podcast. Um, <laughs> and by podcast, I mean me. Um, let's see. I'm going to give a stock up collectively to the defense for reasons that I've uh, basically covered. And, of course, a stock up to Luquinhas. Stock down. Mm, I'm going to give a bit of an unorthodox one. I'm going to give it to... The three-five-two setup, to be honest, because I'm still not really sure if it's the best use of our um, squad and their respective talents this season so mm -hmm. far. Uh, particularly, I think on uh, Lewis Morgan, I think who I think uh, isn't quite allowed to be like as dynamic in his interplay as he would be in like a four triple two setup, I think, because I think uh, as the main width provider in a three, five, two, right. When he's playing out there at the uh, nominal right wing back position, right. He kind of has to uh, maintain that positional discipline to always kind of stay out wide. But what I liked about his game previously is how like uh, he used to be able to like, kind of have a bit more of a free role, right. And kind of, tuck into spaces as they'd open up as Klimala right. pulls someone out wide and like a space underneath them opens up or something that he can kind of run into and fire off a shot, tuck inside, move out wide, depending on like how the situation goes. Right. And I think he probably would thrive in a role that offers him more freedom. I think in attack <clears throat> um, to interpret spaces, it opens up. So mm -hmm. I would hopefully like to see him moved off that right wing back role. Uh, eventually, uh, because I think it's been, I mean, just going off of what we've seen so far, I think he kind of does thrive in uh, other situations a bit more. I'm going to give a mm -hmm. stock down as well to, I'm going to give a stock down to, well, really, I don't think anyone else kind of kind of really ticked me off this game to be honest maybe <laughs> like i mean like we we, we bash christian caceres jr a lot in the last podcast so i'm not really going to uh <laughs> right and this at the very least was a better like he had instead of not playing well he had two shots on target potentially an assist yeah. on uh for for fletcher at the end there yeah i mean like it looked I mean, yeah, I mean, I think it was a rebound game in the sense that, like, uh, he didn't actively detract from the team before. Exactly. Even uh, across this year, I feel like this is a very, like, just those last, like, what, five minutes? Very, or even, like, since the red card, a very disciplined performance, even from players where we're like, oh boy. 
Yeah, exactly. And I think like that's why I can't really be too hard on anybody, right? I mean, yeah, I, I'm not even gonna give a stock down for the red card to be honest, because I like I said, I thought it was real. I thought it was kind of soft. Yeah, like it wasn't warranted. And everybody and we shit housed our way to a one 0 win, right? And that's uh, sort of like the mark of a team that's kind of grown in their mm -hmm. mentality, right? Is that to be able to grind out wins like this, right, with the circumstances are against the favor, but we keep our heads, we maintain positional discipline, like you say. And, uh, I mean, the goalkeeper has to step in a couple times to, like, pull out a couple pretty good saves to keep us in it. But right. you shouldn't take away from the fact that, like, the team as a whole kept their heads, they kept their composure, and they kept a really good defensive discipline. Really good defensive discipline. Uh, really good defensive discipline until the <laughs> final whistle. Yes. Um, and that's the sign of stuff that's not going to show up on the score sheet necessarily, but it also kind of does if the Revs don't score a goal. So, you know, I mean... It, it is as you will, right? Um, I think uh, I'm mostly pleased with the performance considering the circumstances. Yeah. Right. Over to you. Uh, I think last time I gave a stock down to Struber for like the poor decision making in his in, in the subs in the second half, and you know, obviously, I think extenuating circumstances. Actually, no. Half of the subs were for uh, were the tactical switch after the red card. The first two were basically a change the game. And I think those were the right subs to make. I mean, obviously we talked about Lucinius and how he made an impact coming into the game, but, um, and I guess this, you can give a stock up to CCJ or to even like Dylan Neal is coming into this game. It was very interesting to see him come into a role where uh, very much like, Hey, you don't have to get up the field. You don't have to provide with in that way. Just, just lock it down. Yeah. Which I think is a better use for his talents anyway. I mean, right. like, I've never been sold on him as like an attacking player, like in the slightest. Yeah. So I'd really prefer we kind of stop that. <laughs> right. What would you what, would you consider? I guess we play the five, like basically play the wing backs. But you would have, uh, would you have Tom Edwards as a wing back, and then have Dylan Nealis playing as that right center back, or mm. no? I don't know, to be honest with you, like, because uh, right now I think they're rather similar players, right? Um, in the sense that, like, I think we've talked about this in previous weeks. With I don't, Dylan Nealis maybe, I don't know, because, like, I feel no, no, like no, no, Tom... No, 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 you know, hear me out. Oh, sorry, sorry. So, like, because, like, right now we're talking about a mentality shift to Dylan Nealis, right? Where he's kind of been, like, a stay-at-home right back for most of his career, right? Mm -hmm. And Edwards, as we know, has also kind of been, you know, I mean, kind of better on the defensive side of the ball than he is like uh, going forward. I mean, like uh, mm -hmm. in terms of providing that direct attacking option on the right-hand side, right? He's always been kind of more of a traditional hug the touchline, set in the cross kind of English fullback, <clears throat> right? So in that sense, I think like currently right now, um, I would actually think Edwards at right center back, uh, you know, I think is pretty decent use of his talents because he's shown that he yeah. can kind of slot in there pretty well. And uh, put out a pretty solid 90 minutes of play. Okay. Um, and Dylan Nealis, I think, at right wing back, they seem to think that they want him to have more of that aggressive up and down play, right? Sort of like okay. replicating what Kyle Duncan did last year, but it hasn't really quite stuck yet because I think, like you said, right? Mostly in very conservative um mentalities that he's been playing with in college ball but also at nashville yeah. right with a right back doesn't quite have to bomb forward as much as they do in something like this so so i don't really think uh 
right now it's not going to make too much of a fungible difference for me. I mean, personally. But as the season goes on, I mean, what I'm hoping to see is that Neelis kind of uh, grows into that role, right? And has more confidence in going forward and providing that width. So that eventually we can look at playing Lewis Morgan, I think, uh, slightly more tucked in in the second line, right? Behind the two strikers. Um, how, whether or not that happens, we're basically only going to have to wait and see. But yeah, uh, that's kind of where I stand on that, you know? I'm not sure if that answered your question, but no, I guess that's true. And I guess like part of it is that um, if we want to think of like roles versus positions versus like just because a guy is like listed on the team sheet on a certain position doesn't necessarily mean he's there. Like basically, like just to show you visually, obviously the the, the viewers at home can't see this, but I'll post this in, in the show chat. But you'll see that the passing map for this game. Uh, if if I didn't know any better, we're playing a four four two in this position, right? You see where uh, Lewis Morgan at with wearing the number ten uh, listed as as the right wing back in this position. You would think he was playing as like a winger, and Tom Edwards playing as a as as a traditional right back, because literally on the other side of the field, there's uh, John Tolkien playing not higher up the field than 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 the than the halfway line. Yeah. I think you can, yeah. I mean, I think, um, like we said, right? I think uh, I just realized the, the the long line between number one and number nine. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> which is like Red Bull to a T. I think when it comes exactly. to goalkeeper distribution, yeah, it's lovely. You love to see it, but yeah, I mean, the other interesting thing about this, of course, is uh, you know, I mean, how much of a node I think a Sean, ne- uh, sorry, Tom Edwards is in the right center back role here right and i think this is one of those understated things about his game but he's actually i think his comfort on the ball and distributing right is an asset at right is actually an asset at right center back right when it comes to distributing the ball when we're back in possession and uh as you can see here i think like he's actually like the main distributor on the right hand side right yeah um linking up with the midfield axis uh, sending it forward as it is. I think this is sort of why we've seen him be played at right center back for most of his uh, tenure here so far, right? It's because of that ball playing ability at the back, which um, is definitely an asset, I would say. Uh, having center backs that are comfortable on the ball, I mean, like, this is. I mean, people would kind of think that would be something a bit more related to, uh, you know, I mean, like the likes of Barcelona and the like, right? Where you have the center backs playing as like a basically as defensive midfielders and the ability to spread the play. But, you know, I mean, I think Red Bull also kind of values this, right? I mean, any any team that has to play in, like, a super hard where, – where, like, any team that plays in a league like the Bundesliga where, like, pressing is, like, paramount are going to want to have center backs that are comfortable on the ball. Right? Yeah. I mean, that's just, a, that's just the nature of the modern game, right? It just depends on how the center back passes it out rather than, like – um you know rather than some i don't know what's the word uh yeah i mean the difference between us and barcelona is the way that our distribution patterns look right but what is common between both of them is that we do have center backs that have to be able to play the ball a little bit i mean every center back in modern context has to be able to play the ball a little bit right especially when you consider that nowadays pressing isn't exactly new 
right? And you're always going to have people haranguing defenders no matter what. You know, you'd be rather foolish to not be able to have defenders that can play the ball a little bit nowadays. Like the days of uh, the days of having um, the likes of, I don't know, like a Carlos Puyol on your team. Yeah. It's <laughs> <laughs> Something like that, basically, we want to try and get to. But yeah, no, this, uh, this passing map kind of shows. I think uh, he is, Edwards at the right center back position, um, has a lot of value in his ability to distribute and connect the various parts of the team. Uh, and it creates a lot of, uh, it's going to be, it's, it seems pretty vital in our transition anyway, from defense to attack. So that should, so I think that's probably why you're seeing him get more minutes at right center back, I think. Anyway. Sorry, I kind of went off on a bit of a diatribe there, but uh, let's circle back to what you wanted to talk about. Now that you got it. <laughs> Is that it? I guess that's it. <laughs> All right. Long long and winding um, soliloquies on defensive um, distribution aside. Uh, let's look ahead now to uh, next, this week's game. Not next week's game. It's this week's game. Yes. Uh, against the game today slash tomorrow. Yes. Against uh, Club de Foot Montreal. It's my favorite Kasabian song. Someone yes. else has definitely made that joke. <laughs> it was the intro to Pro Evo 5 and it's like consistently burned in my head. Like every yes. time it's played. Like, it was also. Wait, where, where, it was in, it's got, it had to have been in FIFA too. It's pr- it's definitely made its way into a FIFA game, but I remember it more from PS5 for sure. Although, nice. like, I mean, like, is it really FIFA without like some? Is it really like a late 2000s slash early 2010s FIFA? If you didn't have some scruffy indie band from like I don't know, like Staffordshire or something, with exactly four lads who haven't showered in like ten weeks who sing in exactly. accents and shit like that, <laughs> you know, like that's like. It was it was a it was the uh, height era for uh, interchangeable, completely fungible indie rock bands with accents, basically. Exactly. <laughs> we 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 don't need to go back to those times. <laughs> but yeah. Anyway. Um. Yeah. Montreal. 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 Um. Uh, really. Don't really know what's been going on up there. I mean, uh, so currently in MLS, we're five games in. They have one game, one win, one draw, three losses. They've I mean, had a very chaotic run in a few times. They had they, the last game they they played in a crazy game against Cincinnati, where they it ended four three in their favor. Um, they've lost to Philly. They've lost to NYCFC by quite some margin. They got knocked out of CONCACAF Champions League by Cruz Azul. Getting knocked out of an in, of a competi- of a knockout competition by Cruz Azul, what are you even doing? Um, hey, hey, I mean, I, I gotta give credit to Cruz Azul, though, because they've actually... I mean, obviously, but... Recently, so, you know, I mean, uh, they yeah. no longer Cruz Azul they are all the time. <laughs> <laughs> they only do it sparingly. They only do it, uh, hopefully, for their, their current uh, uh, CCL t- tie. Yeah. Uh, and then Montreal had a very chaotic 3-3 game against... Atlanta United. So clearly this is a team that in what, in their last three MLS games have conceded one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven goals. 
Yeah, I mean, this is kind of what I mean, but I don't really know what's going on up there because, like, it seems like an absolute mess, like it always does. It's a mess, and it's like, this is a team that pretty consistently plays a three-center-back formation, and they're still, like, coughing up chances that lead to goals. Well, well, it's like like this thing, right? I mean, like, uh, it doesn't matter how many defenders you put on the field. If they all suck, then (laughs) it doesn't really matter at the end of the day, right? Like... No matter they're what playing. You they're playing a thirty-seven-year-old Kai Kamara. Oh, good lord! Oh, good god! Oh, good god! <laughs> um, that is grim. <laughs> it's so strange. Victor Winyama still plays there. Yeah, Celtic but he's legend been hurt like half the time, hasn't he? Like he, he's not. No, he's played all five games. games. Oh, I remember seeing. I remember thinking that he had a lot of health issues. Um, uh, well, now he has Canadian medicine to help him. So who knows? Oh, yeah, I mean, I guess. Yeah, I mean. Uh, th- that definitely goes a long way, but um, I'm trying to. But yeah, I mean, look, I, look, look. I think uh, basically, like uh, we were playing them at home. This is not a very good team, quite frankly. If even Cincinnati can put up three goals against them, very strange. <laughs> yeah, even even uh, Cincinnati, even Cincinnati can put up three goals against them. I mean, Jesus fucking Christ, nearly rooted to the bottom of the table here. So I mean, like if we were playing this kind of team at home, fellas, we gotta we gotta get the job done, right? Basically, and right. Uh, to add on to all of this as well, I mean, uh, you the big team news coming out from uh, this weekend is the fact that you know Lukinias and Ashley Fletcher may be available for ninety minutes. So. Oh yes. There ever was a game where you just kind of want to bin someone just to get like uh, just to get the whole talk about the hoodoo and the oh we can't win at home thing off your shoulders. I mean, this would be a perfect time to do it. And what better way to do it than the uh, Lukinias like putting on a performance where uh, what was that French newspaper? Uh, what's the one? L- that... uh, uh, L'Equipe. Yeah, le- the the kind of performance that L'Equipe will give out a ten rating for. You know, I'm. Oh my god! So, so wait, so you think to score five goals? Exactly. That's the kind okay. of thing I want to see. <laughs> okay. It's, this would be a perfect game to do this kind of thing. So, yeah, I mean, <laughs> like, like, it's not. They're not a very good team. I want to batter them at home, basically. <laughs> I, I would like to batter them at home. I like. I to, would like. To we see have a run in them Chicago. Just, just batter some dudes. Yeah, exactly. Like I would like to see a Le keep ten. ten 10 performance from somebody this game <laughs> somebody who could use a little bit of confidence i mean whether that's klimala whether that's Lukinias, whoever it is just 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 put seven goals past them lads like i know you can <laughs> <laughs> i would be furious if we dropped this game basically <laughs> maybe not like... I, w- I, w- I would not be happy i mean any loss at home i would not feel great about but this one i don't know yeah i mean like especially after the minnesota game yeah, especially after the Minnesota game. I mean, like it'd be like one of those games where it's like a team just come not even like because I guess some teams would come in and just be like, oh yeah, yeah, lads, we're gonna lose this game, so just like uh, just don't get don't don't get your don't get your uniforms dirty. Yeah, and then they know they're like one nil up, one nil up, and they're like, whoa, what's going on here? Yeah. Like, like, um, really. At the end of the day, for me, um, at the end of the day, for me, like we we cannot drop points at home, <laughs> like no. you said, right? And I think that's all I really have to say about this game. I mean, like you you have your two marquee attacking signings right this season that may be available for the game. 
and uh, you're playing a very weak team at home. Like, just run up the score, get a lot of confidence, uh, put on such a dominating performance that, uh, you know, we, we you, know, you make them regret ever wanting to play the game of football. <laughs> and we'll call it a good day, basically. I mean, I think that's sort of where we are with this. So they'll, they'll right. just be like, you know what? We're, we're, we're the impact again. I don't. <laughs> they relegate themselves back down to U.S. Back to, U- back to USL. Like as, as FC Montreal. <laughs> yeah. I think that, that's, that's, that's kind of what we're looking at here. Um, of course, I think the main question going into this game on our end is uh, what to do about the lack of Frankie Amaya. Right, I think um, obviously, I think uh, it's no secret that we've been very effusive of him on the show, and uh, he's been a very integral part of uh, whatever success that's come our way. Right, I think in the early part of the season. So I think now the question is, who probably slots in for him now that he's suspended? Um, the obvious answer would be Christian Casares Jr. But based on what club comms have been saying this whole week, they are priming us for Daniel Edelman which I find to be rather interesting indeed. Um, apparently he had a really good shift at the U.S. under-20s, but uh, we don't need to talk about international break so much, I think. Uh, no. I did spend international break, though, uh, watching a very exciting young team with a golden generation, you know, with a much-vaunted uh, attacking uh much vaunted attacking performance from a marquee young attacker who uh, is lighting it up in Europe right now. Uh, so they got a very critical result against a team that they typically struggle in in their confederation, and I had a lot of fun doing it. And that team was, of course, Samurai Blue, coached by... Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Karu Mitoma is a hell of a player, fellas. What uh, a player he is. telling you. Um, <laughs> very... Very bright future, I think, and this is yeah, this is even without I think Takefusa Kubo really. <laughs> without even Takefusa Kubo, L- so. let me tell you, if you've if you've never seen Kaoru Mitsuma play, it's like I've never seen a Japanese player in the form of a dribbly boy before, and he is one of the dribbliest boys I've ever seen. He's fast as fuck as well. I mean, he well, is so fast. Thing. Like he, he gets to the byline super quick. He cuts dudes open. This is the only guy I think I've ever seen who like literally does the FIFA thing of holding down the sprint button and going past all your <laughs> while he dribbles while you dribble and actually pull it off in real life. Like I'm yes. actually serious. <laughs> it's actually a joy to watch when he's in full flight. Like he is so good. I don't know how I don't know how it's going to transfer over when he finally makes it to the Premier League with Brighton. And I mean it's fucking Brighton lads. Jesus Christ. Like how do we even get here? Like, <laughs> but yeah, nevertheless, uh, yeah, very exciting. Uh, I, th- I think everyone in America is watching the wrong golden generation, to be honest. Exactly. Uh, yeah. So um, anyway, segue of uh, international football aside. Uh, yeah, I think what to do about what to do about Frankie Maya. Daniel Edelman slotting in would be something because <laughs> sure. i think because then what the alternative would be i mean the alternative would be you play the two with ccj or because like i don't think we have the amount of personnel to recreate the diamond or a three-man midfield which we did which we did towards the end of the last game which we only really did because of extenuating circumstances where we had like drew as the one the sole uh defensive midfielder in front of the center backs and then you had ccj and yukinas in front of him basically patrolling and pressing the guys on the ball 
in the yeah. midfield. So I think the easiest thing we, we, that would happen is having two guys in. But who knows? I think it's like, do you is it a like for like thing with Amaya and 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 Casades? Is that a thing? Is the expectation that he would play as a deep playmaking role? With, I don't, which I don't think so. Yeah, to no. be honest, no. I mean, and, and no. I think you're spot on with that assessment, right? Because I like think... we like he just might be an attacking player at this point. So who knows? Um. Yeah, Struber seems to really like deploying him further up the field for whatever reason. I think maybe it's because he gets in better positions to shoot. Yeah, I mean th- the same thing happened under the last uh, the last head coach. Um, so this could be a continuation of that. Um, yeah, but also I just don't know if he moves the ball as quickly as Frankie Amaya does. To be quite frank with you, no, no he intended. doesn't. Um, <laughs> he also doesn't like. I don't think he's as like as quick as deceptively quick on the dribble as Frankie Amaya is. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like that first burst i think he gets on the ball uh is one of the more understated parts of his game and how yeah. quick he is in the turn as well so um you know i think uh yeah i don't know i mean you know i think the other candidate obviously is of course uh edelman who's been doing pretty down do pretty well down in usl right i think our the first new homegrown dude one of the first new homegrown dudes that suit signed this season which i think was mm-hmm. pretty well deserved uh, the read on his game seems to be pretty similar to the sense, and pretty similar in the sense that I think uh, this is sort of like a home closest thing you're gonna get to like a homegrown six in our system. Yeah. Right. So I mean, uh, if you've been bandied about as being a key building block, I think for the midfield in recent years, then of course, uh, you know, I think uh, mean a game against Montreal, who are one of the weaker teams in the Eastern Conference, wouldn't be the worst game to get your bow in. I guess so. Yeah. You know, I mean, I wouldn't be too opposed to seeing him see the field eventually. Oh my god! In I'm all this be... talk, I completely, I completely forgot about that we had an extra guy in midfield. Uh... I, thought <laughs> I thought he was hurt. Is he hurt? I have no idea. <laughs> I mean, if it's not his body, it's definitely his feelings. So I don't. <laughs> I I have no idea. Is he available? What's it? Yeah, I, I have no I idea. He, I thought he had like a muscle injury. Like, he was questionable know. for the last game, right? But uh, I don't know. I guess maybe if he saw the field over the over the offseason. Uh, sorry, not, not the offseason. Looking off at, like, missing players that who scored have. This could be unreliable, but it seems like Cameron Harper, Surgeon Goma, Wilkham and Carmona, Andres Reyes. And then they have they also have Sean Davis listed. I'm like, he is out, but not Yeah, for... this is very out. <laughs> this is very outdated. It's outdated, but, like, I guess, I guess moving to Nashville is also kind of an injury in and of itself. Ouch. Um, <laughs> but I don't know. They have a bunch... Yeah, who knows? Yeah, but, you know, I mean, you, you know, I guess, I mean, Clark would be all right, right? I mean, we know he does, we, he, we know he does depressing stuff pretty well. Uh, yeah. I don't think he has quite much of a, I don't know if he's got, like, uh, uh, he's probably the most like-for-like replacement, I would probably say, right? Because I think a lot of things that Amaya does, I think Clark is capable of doing as well, you know I mean? Yeah. Quick, quick in the turn. Decent yeah. enough in the dribble, has decent enough vision from a withdrawn position. Yes. Uh, it's not as if we were we were planning on playing him in an attacking position anyway, in that I don't know. He's played in sort of like that shuffler role in the diamond yeah. at at various points last season. And I think he probably looked better in it, to be honest, than he did like as uh, the auxiliary ten, quote unquote yeah. ten that he was tried at. I think 
Yeah, I mean, if he's available, I wouldn't be too opposed to it. But he also hasn't really gotten off to a great start this season. I'm going to be quite frank with you. Kind of seems that he's still stinging a little bit from uh, being sent back from Leipzig. So uh, got to get that mentality right, kid, because you're not going back to Germany if you don't pull your socks up. So um, decided <laughs> <laughs> where I'm at with that. I mean, I uh, hope he turns it around soon because, you know, I uh, hope he turns it around soon. I mean, maybe this is the kind of game where you do that because, uh, you know, again, against a team that's not very good, be one of those confidence-building uh confidence building uh performances hopefully um exactly. another option that we can't rule out basically so either one of those three i think uh Kassaris is the only one that kind of offers something a bit different but the other two potentially are going to be more seamless fits i think well we kind of knew this about christian Kassaris jr at this point of his career anyway so bit of a i still think he's a bit of a square peg in a round hole but anyway um those are the options that are available to us. Uh, we shall see, basically, which one we turn to. It's do you think be... that we play two strikers, and do you think we start Fletcher and and uh, Klimala in this game? I hope we do, because I would kind of like to see what it looks like when we have two higher caliber... <laughs> and I'm sorry that I had to use that word, but <laughs> higher caliber I mean... strikers <laughs> in the starting formation. Because, uh, yeah. you know, I mean, I, like like we said, right, Tom Barlow's best role is like an energy sub off the bench, right? Yeah. Sort of like killing out games and harassing opponents later. And he, it. you know, he played pretty well against New England, all things considered. Yeah. I mean, like, um, like he does, a, he, he, like, like, yeah, he doesn't score a lot of goals, but he's always going to be able to contribute in terms of, like, the defensive work rate and... right like the ability to just run defenders raggedly in the game. I mean, I think that's a much better use of his abilities than being the scapegoat late in the game thrown on to like try and chase a goal. Mm-hmm. Cuz I think uh no, I think he's like I said, like I said, right? I think sometimes the criticism of him gets a bit out of hand because he's got to be thrust into a role or put into a role situation that doesn't really um that doesn't really play to his strengths as a player, I think is kind of where I'm at. I mean, sometimes you just kind of have to accept that some guys are going to be exactly that at MLS level, right? I mean, just scrappy defensive forwards, energy subs who are retained because they're relatively cheap. They know the system. And uh, right. basically they have nowhere else to go, I guess. I mean, unless he's willing to go drop back down to USL or something. But I can't imagine yeah. the market... For Tom Barlow is going to be particularly um, hot. <laughs> Not until St. Louis comes calling. Oh, God. <laughs> they want to give us a fat payday for Tom Barlow. You know, like, if they if they get something for him in a trade, like, I would probably, like, call that a win no matter what. <laughs> so um, Yeah, man. Give us, give us all that gam. <laughs> even if it's just, like, 75 thousand of it or something hell no exactly but yeah i mean of course i'm gonna want to see patrick clamal and ashley fletcher in action with one yes. another right because i mean like yeah in theory these are our two uh top tier strikers and i wonder if um and you naturally want them to try and build a bit of chemistry together i think uh, since fletcher's here with an option to buy he's going to have an extended look sooner rather than later to see what he can do and I think it probably starts now. 
Yeah. I mean, uh, I mean, uh, looked pretty all right against New England. I mean, he I looked all right. Yeah, runs I mean, the channels it's, pretty well. Yeah. Runs the channels, got into good positions. Uh, just like it was exactly what the game state called for. Yeah. I appreciated um, how he was still trying to stretch the play, even though we were like ten men down. We were exactly, down men, just say. like one guy to yeah. It's uh, you know, and I thought like, you know, it's tough to also of you know you're to evaluate strikers when like they're not on the score sheet, but it's like Klimala had a decent game again. If you like look at the underlying numbers, um, basically our first three shots on target were all like his involvement and if they had they all gone in he would have had a goal and two assists so it's like i mean you know we also can't take away that brad knighton had a really good game right like these 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 freaking bald goalkeepers named brad always (laughs) (laughs) well actually i don't know they've been pretty kind to us in recent years right because guzan kind of sucks and brad friedel as new england manager was peak banter so oh my gosh yeah (laughs) doing suicides in the rain after like a doodle loss like well, i was like what is this fucking uh exactly this fucking coach carter shit my god dude <laughs> <laughs> you suck <laughs> um anyway yeah i mean i think that's the thing right i mean like in spite of everything klimala has still been a rather active contributor on the attacking side of things and i think uh you know, I think putting Fletcher next to him, someone who also likes to run the channels and have potentially offer a bit more in attack, you know, I think that should be exciting. And I do want to see that. And especially now that... But the key thing for me, of course, is Lukinias. I think for all the reasons that we stated at the top of the episode, I mean, like, um, this is going to be the key to our supply chain, I would probably say, for attacking chances. So, um, basically, I can't wait to see what he can do over a 90-minute period for all the reasons that I listed earlier. Oh, yeah. I think that kind of does it for me. When I, all I really want to talk about when it comes to Montreal, do you have anything else uh, you want to say? or? That's kind of it, man. Yeah. Should be, a, should be a great day for some soccer tomorrow. Should yes. not be raining at least a good like two hours before the game. Luis Robles <laughs> is going to be there as well if you're into that kind of He thing. will be, interestingly enough. He'll be hanging out. Yeah, but we, we I, I, I used to enter through the Honda gate. So, uh, you know, I'm not, I've never actually been to the beer garden. Right. Plus, I don't really like beer that much anyway. Sorry. Exactly. But... <laughs> yeah. Should be a good day for some soccer, like you say. It's, a, it's always a beautiful day for soccer. Um. Let's move on to the questions now. We'll thank everybody who has sent in a question for this episode. As always, uh, we always much appreciate them. Uh, we'll start with uh, Man On at Queer Sporting. Thank you guys so much for the question. How much red could a Red Bull bowl if Red Bull could bull red? Um, a lot, I think. <laughs> yes. Yes, a lot. <laughs> They'll do it very carefully as well, I'm sure. Um, Acid Phase asking, Morgan's hat-trick performance in the beginning suggests his best positioning is that of a CAM behind the striker. Why is he being utilized as a winger? The speed Klimala has, should they not try to swap positions? And I think this is one of those things where um, I, I think uh, we can't really be caught too much on and like pigeoning in players based on like uh, their nominal position on field, right? Because I think as yeah. we know in the Red Bull system it's very fluid and a lot of it 
and a lot of the philosophy on attack is really predicated on um, on not being fixed to a certain position uh, other than I think potentially the right wing back position which is there to mostly provide width right but when you're sort of playing a sort of like a bit more centrally you see a lot of inside out outside in movement right that's sort of like the hallmark of like a, the way that Red Bull teams like to attack as a on the ball, right? Quick positional interplays further up the field, and a lot of movement that is designed to open up space in the middle of the pitch in a quick transition. So usually you'll see the strikers like moving out wide to offer a wide outlet, right? While say like somebody who's in a natural central attacking midfield position tucks inside, right? Uh, the reason why this isn't really happening so much uh, with Morgan playing right back is because um, the right back in this situation is going to be um, ha has a bit more responsibilities, right? Nominally on the defensive side of things, as uh, the person who basically offer is the only position on the field that tends to offer width out here right. right and i think as we mentioned earlier like i think morgan's best attribute is played a bit more centrally like uh, you pointed out where he gets to tuck inside and interchange right striker pulls out wide he gets to tuck inside stuff like that striker like uh, you see an out you see something happening on the overlap he gets to do the like uh, he offers an outlet for the overlap etc 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 Stuff like that, right? I think basically, like, what I'm trying to say is that, like, he is somebody who excels better in, like, a free role. And uh, the right back, the right, the sort of, like, right wing back, right back role is unfortunately a role where he's offered less of that just because of uh, the demands of the wing backs in this formation where they are the only width providers, right? So it results in him having to, to not being able to operate as close to goal as he generally would be able to right ideally um so that being said i i i don't think it's really gonna be like like it's not really a case at all either where i think uh switching he and klimala's roles are gonna be good because i think also you cannot take away from the fact that one of klimala's best uh components in attack right is his ability to make those runs that draw defenders away from the box Yes. Also playing with his back towards goal. Playing towards his back towards goal. Yeah, exactly. Like the way he brings his teammates into play, right? It's sort of like been the thing. It's sort of like the big, sort of like the big part of his value so far this season, right? I mean, I think yeah. uh, you know, I think when sometimes you see striker, and I do understand this, you want to see them bag goals. I mean, every striker in the world is going to love bag goals, but like uh, when you think about the role that he plays in the team, right, and being able to open up that space in the attacking third. Uh, and getting on the end of chances of himself as well is, is that he has been doing that to quite a good degree. I mean, like, if you look at the big picture here, right, like, this is a team that apparently currently leads the league in expected goals, right? And a big part of that has been as a result of the uh, space that Patrick Lamala opens up, but also how mm -hmm. active he is in being able to find these half spaces for him to pepper off shots, right? I mean, I think he's been playing... He's been playing his role really well. It's just, unfortunately, I think the production hasn't really reflected that. And I think this is the most frustrating thing for a player like this sometimes, right? Where you can definitely see that he adds so much to the game, but the most yes. critical components that, like, quantify that, right? Or, like, 
substantiate that just aren't coming. And, you know, I think this is why it'll be the source of a lot of frustration for a lot of people. And I get that. But the point of the matter, but the point is, is that like the attack is significantly worse off about him. Because nobody can really, nobody else on the team really has that ability, has shown that ability yet, right? To conjure up something out of nothing, basically. Or like catalyze the whole attack by like making a darning run in the space that gives the like that gives the defenders like it draws the defenders' attentions and opens up opportunities for other people in the team to like run into, you know. And I think, I mean, like I I I'm pretty staunch about this, you know. I mean, I think um, it it honestly always just feels like it's going to be a matter of time before the production like catches up with how well he's been executing his role early on in the season. Yeah. And, you know, I can't give up on him because of that. You know, like, I can't. Like, I'm... I'm... I'm hoping it, I'm hoping it happens soon. And I think, like, this would be a game where that would be perfect. But I think to answer your... The, the, to, to give a long... To give an answer to Acid Phase's question, basically, that I don't think it's actually going to help um, either of them, really, to switch positions. Because, um, you know, I think... In Morgan's case, he needs a role change, and in Klimala's case, like I think uh, he, it's actually a case where, like we said, right, he does, re he functions really well as a striker in this formation. It's just that the production hasn't really matched, um, you know, what he's been doing on the field just yet. Right. It hasn't shown up in the production yet, but I still can't help but shake the feeling that it's going to happen sooner rather than later. Yeah, I have a distinct memory, like maybe like six or seven years ago people being like talking talking about a particular player and they were like i don't care how good he is in the build-up i don't care how many touches he gets in the game he's not scoring goals and that's what we need him to do and that player uh was kareem benzema so <laughs> guy <laughs> not oh, saying yeah. that we need to wait eight years before uh uh klamala scoring back-to-back -back hat tricks in the champions league but the underlying numbers love the guy, and I feel like uh, this is. Uh, I want to believe, like you are, that that it's a matter of time before things show up. Because otherwise, people are just gonna be like, I think I feel like I've heard like moving the goalposts. Like, fine, Klamala's a good player, but he's not a good striker. Like, congratulations, you've unlocked the code. We need to call up Hamlet and say you need to sign a better striker, and that's that's our that's our clue. I don't know, man. I mean, like. <laughs> He's he's a good player, but he's not a good striker. I mean, like, what the what the fuck does that even mean at that point, right? Like, like, <laughs> like, like, like we said, right? Like, this is a team where you focus on roles instead of positions, right? And I, and I think, like, you know, I I don't know how you could possibly galaxy brain yourself into <laughs> in a saying something like that, right? It's like uh i don't know man uh, i don't watch the nfl enough to think about how you could possibly come up with something like that so <laughs> all power to you god bless you um <laughs> that's the way that you think about this game but yeah um that's sort of where i'm at with that uh yeah. so thanks acid face for the question yes thank um you. this is uh rounding out the episode is uh, another one from alexander xenopolis thank you so much alex for your contributions as always struver is enjoying the versatility of the roster brings but with so many new faces wouldn't it be better this early to establish a bit more consistency in roles and afterwards experiment more 
I'm thinking about how Lucinia, CCJ, Morgan are deployed and one versus two forward set up. I think the thing through the first five games of the season is that actually I think uh, there has been a pretty consistent setup that Schuber wants to go for, mm-hmm. and it seems to be 3-5-2. You yeah. already know my stance on that. I don't necessarily agree with it, but, you know, I mean, I think... Uh, but I don't necessarily agree with it, but I do think just based on a vacuum, right, of what we've seen over the first five games, that that seems to be plan A for us this season until further notice, right? I think uh, yeah. it's what worked for him last year when he turned the season around. And I think the team's familiar enough with it that I think uh, maybe the fear would be that he tried to introduce something new early on in the season that would kind of upset their rhythm and tempo a little bit. But yeah. actually, you know, I mean, usually when it comes to experimentation, right, you would probably want to do it earlier in the season rather than later because if the team is kind of a bit more familiar with one form of play, right? Like, doing it, trying something new early in the season and then going back to your bread and butter, I think, usually works out for the best, better, right? But what's key here is that the team didn't actually play like that coming out of preseason, right? We always kind of tried three at the back first, right? And we all know from his time at Barnsley that three at the back has actually has always been one of his preferred philosophies anyway, right? One of his preferred configurations, I should say. Sorry, not philosophies. Um, so I think also when it comes to uh, personnel, right? I mean, I think the two forward setup has been a bit more consistent this year. You definitely know Klimal is starting up top next to uh, Tom Barlow for now. Right. Um, and Morgan, unfortunately, other than that one game against Toronto, has mostly been seen out at right wing back for most of the season. I think, uh, I think, uh, you know, I mean, obviously, like uh, we've gone at length about how I think uh, I don't think that that's the best fit for his uh, his attributes necessarily, right? But you know, it does belie that there is a consistent vision that the coach wants to implement. Uh, so um in that sense i do think uh there has been some consistency some tactical consistency through the first part of the season um i'm just not sure if it's one that's going to be um paying the best dividends i mean we're winning games uh but yeah you know i think they've usually been catalyzed by some kind of formation change right (laughs) when we start scoring depending on the game state which is i guess is a good thing yeah it's like Yeah, I think I think so. We've had like two major tactical outlooks coming in, or like formation wise, right? We had we had the one game with the four two two two, right? That was very obvious. We had played two strikers, and then we would have what we would call like the wing back formation, where you had three center backs, two wing backs, the 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 two in the midfield, and then the, the the remaining three players, it was either two strikers and a player behind them or one striker and two players behind them. But really, when you look at the game flow and you look at the passing maps, however those end up, end up real different almost every single time. Some yeah. games, Barlow is at, like furthest in front. Some games, Klamala is up in front. Sometimes you have two strikers up in front and you have one guy in behind. So just because like, just because you had... Like Barlow's like it like in this particular game, Barlow and like Omir are like right next to each other. And it's like who's to say that like that's not also 
Ashley Fletcher in those spots too. So yeah, yeah, and 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 I agree, right? I mean, I think we're we're at a point again where there are very clear defined roles that players on the team play, right? It's always going to be a question of who's going to be doing what. And I think the fact that we have this framework to work with, you know, I mean, uh, belies a sense of consistency, right? It's just going to be a question of how do new players fit into these roles that there's that we think they're supposed to be playing, right? And I think, uh, you know, as the season, I mean, we're still only five games into the season, right? Like, I mean, I'm not yes. going to belie people getting familiar with uh, what they're supposed to be doing and then taking big step as a result of that, right? So, um Basically, where I'm at is that I think we there has been quite a few. There has been a consistency in roles. It's just a question of who is playing the role now, right? That is going to be dependent. Is that's going to be the dependent variable going forward, right? It's going to be basically who performs best in these roles that have been pretty well defined, and that's going to be something that transpires over the course of the season. We're only five games in. I mean, it's uh, anybody's to take, really. I mean, like nobody thought Omir Fernandez was going to crash in out of nowhere and like seize uh, the uh, seize the ten spot for himself right towards the end of last year, <laughs> which was kind of a fun development. Um, so fun surprises like that tend to happen over the course of football season. So um, basically, um, watch this space. <laughs> watch all the spaces. Watch the half spaces. Watch the wide spaces. Watch the channels. <laughs> Yes, this is, uh, yes, we've uh, learned the attendance of a uh, goalkeeper communication 101. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so the, thanks, Alex, for the question, as always. I think that does it here for us in MetroFan TV. Uh, the game is at 4 p.m. Uh, we are recording late today because I forgot about daylight savings time. Yes, boo me, boo, <laughs> boo, boo, hiss, boo, 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 boo. Um, 4 p.m. Uh, Luis Robles is going to be at the Beer Garden. So if you want to say hello to uh, our former captain slash goalkeeper, you could always head over there. Or you could just, I don't know. I mean, uh, I, I don't know what there is to do in Harrison nowadays. It's probably changed a lot since I've last been there. It's been close. It'll be, it'll be five years as of next year. We're already, oh, like wow. a, we're already a third of the way there. So, Damn. Jesus, man. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> The, where, the big warehouse is gone. Uh, the gravel pits are going away. <laughs> gravel pits are going away. There's nothing sacred in this world anymore. Nothing sacred. Next, you're going to tell me that the Carney landfill is going away. Although I don't <laughs> think uh, anybody's going to miss that. I tell you what. Like... <laughs> anyway, yeah. Um, Juan, it was great talking to you as always. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, as Metrofan TV is saying... Fuck daylight savings time. America, get your shit together. Or not. Uh, probably not, to be honest. <laughs> we'll see you next time, folks. Uh, let's go. Yep, we'll see you next time, folks. Have a good night. Goodbye. Bye-bye.